Welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Made. My name is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble, and as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are taking a dip not into the world of movie theaters, not into the world of DVDs, yet we are taking a dip into the stream of Netflix, where Vince's selection has brought to us The Five Bloods, directed by Spike Lee and starring Del Roy Lindo, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., Clark Peters, Norm Lewis, Jonathan Majors, and the late Chadwick Boseman. That is what we are going to be bringing to you as our movie review tonight on The Michelle Mission as we are streaming live on Facebook and on YouTube. Shout out to everyone out there checking us out. Hello, Aaron Fry. Hey, Mo Pop. How you all doing? Deborah What's going Bow, on, I folks? Know, I know Deborah will be showing up, and I will say hi to her when she does. But you guys can tell her that, hey, Len was singing about you right when we went live. That's all right. Yeah, well, you know, it's the little things, Vince. It's the little things. <laughs> How are you doing, my friend? I'm I'm okay. I'm good. And yourself? I cannot complain. I cannot complain at all. Um, life has been good. I had a joyous weekend of uh, journeying to uh, about three different parks here in the city of Brotherly Love. I had a great time there. Um, I as as well on. Friday, I went to the drive-in in uh, Camden, New Jersey to watch Jurassic Park. How was that? It actually was pretty cool. It was like a parking lot um, right by the campus of Rutgers University. Um, okay. And they had the cars well separated by at least uh, a parking spot and a half uh, um, next to one another and behind each other had a huge inflatable screen um it was actually pretty cool to watch jurassic park on the big screen and i gotta be honest i think i hmm, i don't remember if i actually ever saw it in the movies so i think this may have been oh that's interesting it's different on on a big screen screen. oh it is yeah it's different on a big screen yeah oh yeah so, Especially since the sound is coming through your radio. I was so about the, to ask about the sound. How did they, how, how does that work? Well, the sound, you know, long ago, um, drive-in movie theaters, you know, went from the, the like, the microphone that would play. I was about saying you'd stick it on the door. Your phone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They've long done away with that and moved over to, like, uh, it comes in on a radio station. But, okay. but, doing th- but doing that, if you have a decent sound system in your car, right. that can be a very chilling experience, especially if you remember Jurassic Park. One of the big selling points about that film was not only its computer-animated dinosaurs, but the sound that right, was right. emanating and, and the sound that would 
very often be the precursor of the appearance of like the Tyrannosaurus Rex or the Velociraptors, and it it was just it was actually just added to the effects, and then you're watching it outside in the dark and stuff. It was really really cool, man. Was uh, Jurassic Park one of the early THX films? I believe so. I don't. I, I, okay. I'm pretty sure it wasn't the first one. I think. Yeah, yeah, one of but one Star of the Wars like that kind of first generation now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, big time. Okay. Now, do they have a concession stand? Let's they, all go to the lobby. It, I mean, like, like how they? I mean, because that's part of the culture. That is part of the culture. They did not have a concession stand, um, and the drive-in was actually what it, it actually was a free will donation. Um, okay. You had to register online, though, so you couldn't just just show up. So it was you pay what you want, what you will to get in. And then you could just come in with what you want. Like me and my lady, we had um, I'm trying to remember what we had. Oh, pretzel bites, some type of pretzels, you know, some type of weird pretzel. (laughs) We we were supposed to get the pretzel bites. Right. But Mm -hmm. we actually stopped and got, if I remember, Primo's hoagies. And oh, so something we, that was actually tasty. So I'm just I'm just <laughs> powering through, just not paying attention to your nonsense. So we got the Primo's hoagies and um, chips, and then we forgot to get the um, and then like she had like um, she had um, wine, and all I right. Had, oh, she. Oh, okay, Vince, Vince. Y- uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> digression number one let's keep track <laughs> okay because <laughs> i was keeping we were talking about the drive in i was right on topic go ahead i know i know <laughs> but but here's the thing because you you and um your your lovely wife i don't know i don't consider you like wine snobs but you definitely do drink wine right yes you, you, yes you i've have, had wine before but i'm saying like you both like like wine and are yes. selective about the wines that you drink and, and buy right sure okay so my lady is a wine snob right okay but but her wine snobbery does not stop with the bottles that she buys okay it goes all the way up to what she drinks the wine from now of course in the house she's going to drink it from the you know the the uh appropriate wine glass or a wine glass yes as i've learned but (laughs) she is a devotee of this super elitist um mug company called corksicle have you ever heard of them i have not okay please educate me it's cork sickle, C O R K sickle, right? Okay, and it and and it's 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 like these these uh basically like super duper um travel mugs that okay. are made specifically for wine. Of course, you can put anything in them. Sure, sure. But they like aerate it, like aerate when you drink it, and yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's they real fancy. Spe- yeah, exactly. And she's got like about five of these things, right? Okay. These things, these, these, you know, Uber travel mugs. Yes. Cost like thirty and forty dollars a piece. Yes. They cost better. They cost more than a good bottle of wine. Yes. 
But but I, you get the bottle of wine and you put it in there. Yes. What what, what of it? I don't understand. I don't understand that. I don't understand that Lynn, the rationale Lynn, behind that. Lynn, 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 you know the cardinal nerd rule. Nerd shall not judge nerd. <laughs> if you move that camera, if you move that camera less than 50 degrees, you have a $200 <laughs> Carl Barks duck book that you got from Disney World sitting in that room. <laughs> So let's be real easy with the judgment <laughs> on what people spend on their hobbies. Good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know better than that. You Touché know better. Yeah. Touche, mon frere. Okay. Nerd shall not judge nerd. <laughs> All right. Well, with that digression over, on to the show. Right, but the driving, because because we've actually been like that's super shortlisted in our house. I know there's one at the Naval Yard. Um, mm-hmm. you said you were in Camden. <clears throat> yes, right. It's literally like two minutes over over the bridge. Right. I was going to ask you, do they do it every week? I don't think they're doing it every week. Um, you gotta you gotta look it up. But uh, right, yeah, because I know this weekend we we were strongly thinking about going to the drive-in. So. Y'all should. Sounds like you a should. good time. Yeah, sounds like a good time. Yeah, you really should, man. And and mm-hmm. go have a good time. I, I think I know um uh Gabe Castro from the Ghouls Next Door. She yeah. went to a drive-in this weekend. Um now mind mind you, she went out to like the middle of Pennsylvania. Um mm-hmm. but she went to a drive-in out there to see Spider-Man Homecoming. Nice. Nice. So there you go. Hey, uh, Steve Tozen is sending us up in the in the chat and says, "Hey, Vincent Williams, I actually read Panthers Rage. Very awesome nice stuff. Very nice. Don McGregor, Black Panther, old school. Oh yeah, that is that. That's the old yeah. That's school old stuff. school Black Panther. That's that's actually where Killmonger really comes from. The Don McGregor oh, really? material, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, cool. a lot of that, a lot of that. Killmonger, Killmonger is almost his Doctor Doom is in that Don McGregor material. Nice, very and nice. De- Glad you like. And Deborah Battle, Deborah Battle is here. She's hi, Deborah. <laughs> she is here. Lynn said hi to you before you got here. <laughs> I did. I he did. was thinking about you. I started the show with Deborah on my mind. You know yeah. why? Because if you can't see. I don't know if you can see her, Vince, but her her um, her avatar. Like I'll put it up again. If you see, she's got like that like little headband around her uh, around her head in her picture. Yes, in her profile picture, and that always makes me think of uh, Queen Latifah and Bessie. All so, right, all right. That, there you go. So when I see Deborah Battle, I think of Queen Latifah. All right. And that's a nice combination because I, I was like about Queen to Latifah. say it's never a bad time to think about Queen Latifah. There's always room for Queen Latifah. Always oh, room for Queen Latifah. All right, so let's get on to the show, Vince. And um, we didn't have any emails, okay? But there's but there's been a lot of news that's been happening uh, recently. Okay, uh, let's see. Um, one, did you hear about this, Vince? Uh, and I'm pulling this straight from the our Facebook group with the Michelle missionaries are having a lot of fun talking to one another. Have you heard of Quelly TV? Vaguely, but 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 please keep talking. It's a uh, 400 
plus over 400 undiscovered award-winning indie films, documentaries, web series, and kids shows celebrating global black stories, binge on the culture. Um, it's I love a, it. It's a new like streaming service that you can uh, subscribe to, ladies and gentlemen, um, that has, you know, it's focused on black stories, black voices. Uh, we're dope. We're global. We're hybrid. That is the you know, the tagline for quality TV. It allows you to discover and celebrate black stories from around the world through curated uh, films, documentaries, web series, kids programming. The global black community refers to the communities throughout the world of African descent who are comprised of unique cultures and histories from North America, Africa, Europe, Latin America, the Caribbean and Asia. You can go Very and nice. subscribe now. Now, Kwale means truth in Swahili, right. and their mission is to curate and create content that is a true reflection of the global black experience versus what we may sometimes see in mainstream media. I love that sounds, it. That I love really it. Yeah, dope, that, right? that sounds dope. Yeah, absolutely. I, I am with that. I am definitely with that. Kwale yeah. TV. I am about that. Uh, sounds good. And um, we're gonna, I'm going to look into getting some more information about that. That's yeah, cool. absolutely. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, another piece of news, Vince. I have you heard that? You know, uh, Regina King. Yes. Is directing, or actually, yes, she is. Had her um, directorial debut with One Night in Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Variety actually re- released that first clip. I think today. Yeah, yeah just today. I think and I think yeah. like a, a clip or a trailer uh, for the film mm-hmm. looks that good. Will be, it'll be uh, premiering on Amazon soon. The film tells a fictionalized story of Cassius Clay, Malcolm X, Jim Brown, and Sam Cooke as the group celebrates Clay's surprise title win over. Uh, Sonny Liston. The film stars uh, Kingsley Benadir as Malcolm X, Eli Gorey as Cassius Clay, Leslie Odom Jr. as Sam Cooke, and Aldous Hodge as Jim Brown. Yeah, yeah. It looks good. That first clip is nice. Yeah, man. That yeah, really so good. looking forward to that. I mean, that is um, that is a uh, 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 a powerful quartet, if I have yes, ever. Yes, it is. If I, if I, if I may say, Cassius Clay, for those who do not know, who will go on to become Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Jim Brown, the the great football star, and the late great uh, R and B singer Sam Cooke. I mean, can you imagine? Just a, one, just imagine the four of them in a room, and then imagine the four of them just friends. I just want to. I, know. I just, I would just want to pull up a chair and just sit and just listen. I just want to. Listen. I know, I know, I know. Which I guess is sort of the impetus for this project. Right, right. Yeah, kind of see what what comes with the four of them talking. Hmm. Yeah, and and the thing is, is when you think about that, when that must be, um, because Muhammad Ali, 
He fought Cassius Clay. That's a, yeah, that was in 1964. So in 1964, he's on he's on the rise. He is he's de- definitely a star because he's won the gold medal in the Olympics. Um, right. Jim Brown is in the midst of creating the legend that he it, that he uh, will become. Right. Um, right. Sam Cooke is very much a star. He probably right. Sam Cook probably in 1964 is probably the star of that moment right there. Right. I mean Malcolm X is, is still you know this six, this this takes place in 64. Yeah, February 64. Yeah, that's interesting cuz I know Malcolm was assassinated in 65 and Sam Oh, Cook I see I thought I thought he died. was assassinated in 66. All right, you're right. You're right. And then Sam Cook is murdered. Oh, Sam Cook is murdered December of 64. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Sam Cook so is at this, the height of his powers. Right, right. This really is this split second when all four of them could even meet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool, man. Uh, I will be That will be premiering on Amazon soon, ladies and gentlemen, so look for that one night right. in Miami. That, that sounds really cool. And then one last piece of, of news events. I don't know if you heard the announcement on YouTube. That the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air yeah, yeah. is being adopted or adapted into mm-hmm. a drama. Yeah, yeah. I love this story. I love this story. Have, have you followed this thing? Only um, just loosely. I know, um, I think Matthew Cooper is the, or Malcolm Cooper is the uh, one of the producers. And he did like some kind of video clip. He threw together, uh, you know, I don't think the thing is five minutes mm-hmm. and it's basically a treatment and, and the premise is the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but completely serious. Right. Like it's completely serious and, and it kind of took off. It went viral as they say, Will Smith loved it. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of went from there, and and now it's gotten a two season order from the Peacock, yeah, from the uh, Peacock Network, which is the NBC Universal new streaming service at NBC, which was the home of the original Fresh Prince of Bel Air uh, television series. Which so, I have to say, this is the most I've been interested in the Peacock at all. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I um, I, I can't say I've I've. Like I'm not a subscriber to Peacock. Yeah, but I love and, the short. And from what I understand, I, you can yeah, do you it for free. Like you could, yeah, you could get it for free. Right. If you haven't seen the short that all of this comes from, do, you know, do yourself. Yeah, watch the short. It's it's a neat little thing. It really mm-hmm. is. Because it doesn't I take mean, much for the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Like that's that's a pretty crazy story. Most certainly. Most certainly. You know, a, a boy from Philadelphia is sent out to California to live with his parents to get away from the mean streets of Philadelphia and then yeah. deal with whatever culture shock that comes from there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he got one little fight and his mom got scared. <laughs> and said, you're moving with your auntie and uncle to Bel Air. You know what? My niece and nephew, I think I'm the last person on earth to see this. They just showed me a couple of weeks ago when we were all away. Have Did you know about the extra lyric? 
to the Fresh no. Prince of Bel Air? No. What's the extra lyric to the? Fresh Apparently, Prince of there's an extra lyric where he actually gets on the plane. Uh oh. Oh okay. Okay. I, somehow we were talking about it because you know why not? And I said, as I've said for years, I always thought it was a little whack that Will says to the cab driver, "Smell you later." Mm -hmm. insinuating that he stinks and i'm like dude he drove you all the way from philadelphia to (laughs) bel-air because remember in in the in the in the credits she goes you know you're moving with your auntie and uncle to bel-air and then he gets in the cab yes so i've always been under the assumption that he got the cab in philadelphia and went all the way to bel-air and then when he says yo home smell you later I thought he was saying it because dude stank, but I'm like, dude, he drove you all the way from Philly. And my <laughs> nephew said, well, no, he took a plane. And you know me, I'm like, hey, 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 that's not in the text. <laughs> it's That's true. That's true. And then everybody in the room said, oh, you've never seen the additional footage? And I felt like I had gone through the looking glass. And there's this it, whole there's this whole lyric about him getting on a plane. So wait a minute. So wait a minute. So th- let me just make sure that I understand this. So not only is are there additional lyrics, I guess, like an additional bo- uh, set of bars to the song. There's they footage. Actually, they actually shot video footage. For there's it. video footage of Will on a plane. Wow. It. I just blew your mind, right? <laughs> Isn't <Wow>. that crazy? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? For 20 years, I've held it against Will Smith that he told that cab driver, smell you later. You were just waiting for your moment. You can get him alone in a room and say, like, yo, dog. You know what? I enjoy so much of your work, and you've meant so much to the culture. But I really <laughs> I, I really do have a bone to pick with you. I, 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 I didn't like how you said, smell you later to that cab driver after he drove you all the way to California. And then I'd have felt, I'd have been a fool because Will Smith would said, oh no, I got on the plane. And then I would have said to Will Smith, hey man, that's not in the text. And then he would have said, oh, but there's footage. And then I'd have felt like a dummy standing there with Will Smith. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because you would have been like, you ain't got no receipts. And he would like, to the YouTube. And exactly. Just- right. Right. <laughs> And who let you in here anyway? <laughs> I feel like anywhere that I'm with Will Smith, at some point, somebody might say, who let him in here? And they won't be talking to Will. Right. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> the only thing I've come up with is, I didn't really like how you told that cabbie smell you later. Uh, Deborah Battle was filling us in on Peacock TV. She says that the Peacock is free, but they have some shows that you have to pay $5 a month. Now, here's the thing, Vince. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, the drama, is going to be on Peacock, right? Right. However, all, I believe, six, five or six seasons of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air are on or will soon be available on HBO Max. Okay. So where do you go? Do you I don't go know. to HBO or do you go to Peacock? I mean, I've seen all of all of the sitcom. Like I'm really interested in seeing the drama. 
Okay. Now, that brings us to the other question. Okay. Are you really interested in seeing a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air drama? I am, because I actually think it's a pretty interesting premise. Like, I actually think it's an interesting premise. And in the short, I thought they did a good job capturing what makes it work in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, man. This smells a little bit of like trying to just, you know, now, like they they did that whole full house return. Like, you know what this sounds like? This sounds like the Bradys. Remember they took the Brady bunch and they did like a one hour drama, the Bradys. Come on, Lynn. Of course I do. <laughs> the Bradys. <laughs> The Brady Brides. Come on. Do you honestly think I don't know what you're talking about with the Brady saga? But I feel super optimistic because I mainlined two seasons of Cobra Kai, which had no reason whatsoever to be as good as it was. Okay. Like, there's no way Cobra Kai should have been as good as it was. But it made you laugh. You enjoyed it. it. I didn't even laugh that much. Like, the first season is better than the second season. The second season is great. The first season is one of the best examinations of white toxic masculinity that I've seen in popular culture. But wait a minute. It's a, it's a like drama? That. I thought it was a comedy. It's It's got moments, but it really is about this dude who's trying to put his life together. And, and the only thing he knows, like, he's trying to deprogram himself. From the from the madness that that has been put in him, and now uh, he's uh, Toya yeah. Haynes agrees. She says Cobra Kai is so well written, it's yeah. incredible. And the crazy thing about it is so funny. Me, me and my daughter were just talking about this. Like Johnny, who Johnny was the blonde the blonde guy, you know the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, he was the bad guy at, at the end of the end of the movie. You the first think he's the one? That you're like, oh, he's toxic. Oh, he has to deal with all this stuff. But I think the really subversive part is that Daniel also has his own stuff Uh, that you kind of deal with. Ralph Macchio's character. So the first season really is (laughs) this sort of well-written, again, character study from these two silly-ass 80s movies. And then the second season gets a little soapy, but it's still pretty good. So I feel like if they can do that with Cobra Kai, I know they can do something with the Fresh Prince. Deborah Battle says Cobra Kai was a really good show. Uh, can't wait for season three. And Dominique, Dominique, hey, how you doing, Dom? <laughs> says that it's great. I can't believe all you people are signing on for this this show. I dude, um, I'm telling you. <laughs> I've seen that it's like number one on Netflix for like the last couple of I told weeks. you I- last week. Post Chadwick Boseman, I needed something with no black people in it at all. And I watched the episode, then I watched two episodes, then Camille started watching it with me, and the next thing I knew, we had watched both seasons. Wow. Wow. Well, you know what? I needed something without black people as well. So, but I retreated to Downton Abbey, and I have been watching. <laughs> I have I am now in the middle of like three episodes into the final season of Downton Abbey. 
And then after that, then I will watch Downton Abbey, the movie, and I will have watched everything Downton Abbey. Um, and and it's just, a, I mean, you know, it's a soap opera. It, it's hard. It's no joke. It's just a 100% soap opera, but it is so well made, so lush, so pretty. The acting is so good. The writing, even though soap opera is so good. And there actually was one storyline that had to deal with a black guy in the in the show. So I was like, okay, all right. So they Did it make you sad? No. That's that story? No, that didn't make me sad. <laughs> That story didn't make me sad. You know what made me sad? Looking at the running time of the Five Bloods. That's what made me sad. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, real yeah, quick yeah. about uh, Back to the Fresh Prince. Aaron Fry asked a question. Um, he wants to see who's playing Aunt Viv. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. It's the Aunt Viv controversy. I'm sure it's somebody who's going to be appropriately brown. Well, the shame, the shame of it is, uh, this has to be, this has to be like a full reboot, right? I mean, because it's, it's yeah, not yeah, like yeah, a it's sequel. a full reboot. Yeah, so it's, it's a, a it's full a full reboot. reboot. Yeah, but um, so 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 I doubt that Will Smith will show up in it. Though I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't show up in like another role. Right. Well, or, I'm hoping he, he plays Will's dad, who abandons him to go drive a truck all summer. Is that what happened to his father? I don't. Even oh, remember. come on, man! Come I on! I don't remember. I don't remember. How do you not remember the only episode that everybody remembers? How come you, know you don't want me, man? How come you don't want me? <laughs> I don't remember. I ben Vereen abandoned him to drive a truck all summer. I I seem to remember Ben Vereen was his father. Which, yes. which makes no sense. Like, I don't see <laughs> where Ben Vereen plus, um, who was the, I know the, oh, I forget the actress's name that played his mother. Um, Genetics are funny. <laughs> they, 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 they ain't magical. Also, <laughs> it doesn't matter because you never saw him again. Because he abandoned Will. Oh, they, he doesn't even come back on the show in, in any of the seasons? <laughs> no, no. So Will had to learn how to shave and learn how to drive a car and 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 learn how to talk to honeys. And he going to be a good father because he damn sure can't learn that from him. Why, thought, <laughs> Why don't he want me, man? <laughs> I, th- I thought Jeff was his father figure. Wasn't Jazzy no, Jeff his father figure? No. no, no. <laughs> Jeff wasn't his father figure? Um, You've never actually seen The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, have you? <laughs> you don't even know what the show's about. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't there a genie? Is there a genie involved? <laughs> which, part, which part is the genie? You've never actually seen the show. You don't even know what I'm talking about. You're watching Downton Abbey, and you've never seen The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Aaron said, who's going to play on Viv? And you just got real quiet because you was like, who was on Viv? <laughs> Terrible. Does he mean Vivian Vance on <laughs> I Love Lucy? See? Terrible. I saw the first prince. I did. I, I, okay. I will admit 
<laughs> that, that I have not, I'm not a devotee of the Fresh Prince. I didn't watch all of the seasons um, because I honestly felt the show got corny and I, I stopped watching it. I'm just being perfectly honest. I thought the show got corny and I, and I, and I left it alone. So there, you know, I mean, and I can't, okay, but you, you got to watch the one with Ben Vereen as his father who abandons him. Also, your girl. Oh, I know why you didn't watch it. I just yes. stumbled onto the truth. Okay, because Nia Long was on there the whole time as his girlfriend, and you ain't like him pawn your girl. Well, if I remember correctly, while Nia Long was on that show and she was looking delicious, and I did see a couple of those episodes, if I remember correctly, and you tell me if I'm getting the chronology wrong, doesn't he... Doesn't he break up with her and then start dating um, Tyra Banks? Because isn't Tyra Banks on the show as yeah, well? Yeah, Tyra Banks is on there during the college years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that's who he... like For a few he, episodes. Yeah. Oh, I thought he was with her when the show went off the air. I don't remember if he was with her when it went off, but I, I don't know if she was on there like a whole season. Oh, oh. Because I, I, yeah, I, she, I, she had a recurring role. Yes. Right, I know Nia Long was on there for a couple of seasons. Yes, I do. yes, I, 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 I remember. I remember. Um, uh, before we get into our review, Mo Popular had a hard left that he wanted to take. Uh, back in February, <laughs> weren't we just supposed to get a new Michelle Mission theme song? Well, I, I was waiting for this to come up. Um, <laughs> I was hoping people had forgotten, but no, we actually were supposed to get him a show mission theme song. See what had happened was. <laughs> this is the, the first guy... I'm hearing this story too, folks. I ain't even say nothing. I just figured something had gone wrong. I was I wasn't even gonna call you out, Lynn. <laughs> and I certainly wouldn't have called you out during a live broadcast. <laughs> Mo. <laughs> I scared, I scared of put Mo. Um, what what had happened was uh, <laughs> the gentleman who was creating the new theme song for us actually, um, right in the middle of creating it, had a baby. Oh, um, and with the birth of his baby, not only did uh, that change his life, but he then also had to move out of the Philadelphia area. Um, he actually moved, if I remember correctly, out actually, actually around to where Maurice is living, um, out to the West Coast. I think, though, to uh, Washington. Let's say, um, did he actually move with his uncle and auntie? <laughs> no. No, he did not. He did not take a cab all the way in, out in to the, the West Coast. Um, but, so he moved, and we just honestly just kind of like fell out of touch. Um, so, and to be honest, while he had given me like a scratch sample of what he was creating and it sounded interesting, it never got any further than that. So it was, it was fine. So I just left well enough alone and we just kept it moving. So (laughs) that's what, that's what happened. So, so we'll keep using queen for a day until Spike Lee gets angry at us, which this is probably a good place to segue. (laughs) moment. To maybe solicit a, good place a to new segue. <laughs> Probably a good place to segue. You like that, right, Lynn? You like that? 
It's probably a good place to segue. <laughs> now might be a good time to ask anyone out there if you're interested in creating a new theme song for the show mission. Please hit us up tonight. And <laughs> um, because we're about to get into our review. <laughs> We're about to get into our review of Spike Lee's The Five Bloods. We'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. Black GI, is it fair? serve more than the white Americans that sent you here. Nothing is more confused than to be ordered into a war to die without the faintest idea of what's going on. I dedicate this next record to the soul brothers of the 1st Infantry Divisions. Be safe. Welcome back to Vietnam. Look what I found. You're the man in all his glory. Who was that guy? That brother was the best damn soldier that ever lived. We bury it. Later on, we come back and collect. I shall resign the presidency. Being back here, it is not easy. You broken man. So what, you blaming yourself? You don't even know. No! We've been dying for this country from the very get. Now the time is gone. There are things to real. We give this call to our people. Hold on! In my line of work, I have to be very careful. And that means knowing exactly who I am in business with. The Five Bloods, ladies and gentlemen, and 2020 American war drama film directed by Spike Lee, also produced by Beatrice Levin and Lloyd Levin. It stars Delroy Lindo, Jonathan Majors, Clark Peters, Norm Lewis, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., and 
Chadwick Boseman. The film follows a group of four aging Vietnam War veterans who return to the country in search of the remains of their fallen squad leader, as well as the treasure they buried while serving there. Originally written by Dan Bilson and Paul DeMeo, uh, the script was reworked by Spike Lee and Kevin Wilmot for a film that debuted in June on Netflix and was Vince's selection for our review tonight on the Michelle Mission. Vince, what say you of The Five Bloods? I will start with, I saw a story about Netflix uh, uh, last week, actually. And they were talking about Netflix and Netflix's practices. And, and in the midst of the story, they were talking about Theodore Anthony Sarandos, who mm. is the content officer at Netflix. And he's responsible for purchasing projects and greenlighting projects. And it is a bit of a joke in the industry about how Netflix basically throws money at these projects Mm -hmm. and and you know they in the midst of the story they you know they showed a clip of south park they showed a skit from saturday night live and it's like netflix just sort of throwing money throwing money throwing money and i think the five bloods is an example of netflix's budgetary strategy Mm -hmm. for good and ill I think the good part, this is this is a beautiful looking film. This is a beautiful looking film. I, I think Spike Lee is I I think he's a great filmmaker. I think he is a filmmaker and and is in, in full control of his faculties. I think as he gets older, his skills are are honed just in the way movies look. I think Vietnam, which this was filmed on location is gorgeous mm-hmm. and and Spike Lee does a great job establishing Vietnam as a setting there is this great there's this great visual storytelling uh tool that he uses where when you when when we're in the midst of a flashback to the soldiers in Vietnam the screen ratio changes yeah yeah, and cool. and the color saturation changes so that it looks like old footage, and I think that is well done throughout. I I think this is a great cast. This is a this this is a murderer's row of a cast from Delroy Delroy Lindo to Clark Peters to Isaiah Whitlock. Jean Renault Jean, Jean, Jean Renault is in here for a minute. Um, mm-hmm. you know Jonathan Ross. Majors. He's like Jonathan Majors, who who you and I have been talking about for the past year and a half from the last black man in San Francisco, and now everyone is discovering him in Lovecraft Country is mm-hmm. in here. And I think as actors, in spite of the script, which we have to talk about in a moment, I think everyone really does a good job and with the standout being Delroy Lindo who who you look at the reviews I don't know if I would call this his best performance the best performance of his career but Delroy Lindo is great in here again in spite of the screenplay and I think Spike Lee 
very smartly focuses on Delroy Lindo. There's a there's a scene particularly at the end that's basically a monologue as Delroy Lindo is falling apart and Spike Lee keeps the camera on him stationary basically as far from his face as the cameras are on our computers right now from our face and right. it's it's fantastic. Chadwick Boseman is not in the film a great deal, but mm-hmm. I think I think it's resonant before his death and certainly since his death. I, I like I like his role as this paragon of blackness and of a good soldier and of of a brother and of brotherhood. So all of this you can tell that that Netflix basically trusted Spike Lee, gave Spike Lee free reign, opened up the bank, and let Spike Lee go. And, and as I've said several times, and, and it's been fortunate for us the past uh, couple of months that I've been able to say this one or two times, I do like a well-funded black film. Mm-hmm. But the flip side of that is, as much as I love Spike Lee, I am also one to admit that Spike Lee, unfettered, mm. is unfocused. And, and many of the same reservations I had about the Black Klansmen, I have about this. I, I think this is a case of of there there's way too much going on in this film first of all you and i joked about it and it's worth saying and you and i actually talked about it before um we we start taping anytime you have one of these well-established filmmakers one of these legendary filmmakers if you will and they have a film that's over two hours Mm -hmm. you 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 can you like I don't know uh, an example that disproves what I'm about to say. You can automatically say that it's fat and it needs to be trimmed and it needs some editing. Yep. Anytime you have one of these filmmakers that they just let go and what they turn in is over two hours, th- it needed some editing and this needed some editing. I think there's way too much story in here and, and at least two of these plots could have been excised completely. Yeah. Take your pick. We can talk about which plots can go, but certainly at least two of them could go. I think another problem that this film has is that Spike Lee's instinct to set history right and to tell and and to tell a story stops films completely. I think he did it in The Black Klansman, and I think he does it here, where you have these moments where these characters break out into history lessons. Yeah. About yeah. Vietnam, you know, Vietnamese <clears throat> soldiers and black soldiers in Vietnam. And, you know, there's a moment they're talking about Christmas addicts. And there are all these moments where the characters stop to teach a story. Mm-hmm. And it is unwieldy and it completely stops the the rhythm and the flow of the film and it gets in the way of this film almost from the very beginning throughout to the very end likewise this is a clunky script 
This is a clunky script. If you had to told me that there were four people involved with this script, I would have said, this looks like a script where, like, you, do you know, did, you, did your parents ever have friends or do you ever, ever know people who like had a house and they would throw additions onto the house? Yeah. But they weren't yeah. really well planned. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just yeah. kind of this weird you know slap shot you know it's like a room here and a room there and that door used to go somewhere but we knocked down the the the, the shed to build a a fountain over there and that's what this script is like Mm -hmm. it is clunky there is we we talk about the um the 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 great playwright Chekhov Anton Chekhov and Chekhov's gun and right. the rule that if you have a gun in the first act, that gun has to be used in the third act. This film has a Chekhov's gun. This film has a Chekhov's um, grenade. Grenade. This film has a Chekhov's landmine. This film has a Chekhov's credit card. Like they are so clumsily set that you know what is coming. The story beats. Norm Lewis, God bless Norm Lewis. But if you thought Norm Lewis was going to make it out of the jungle in this film, you've never seen anything ever. You've mm-hmm. got you've got Isaiah Whitlock, the shit man. You've I got was waiting. Clark. I was waiting the whole movie for it. I was waiting the whole movie for it. Well, it's Chekhov's shit. <laughs> like if Isaiah Whitlock is in it, you're just waiting for it to come. <laughs> You've got Delroy Lindo. Mm-hmm. You've got Jonathan. How did I forget his name again? Majors. Jonathan Majors. You've got Jonathan Majors. And then you've got the other guy. <laughs> Which I'm, you I'm remember, assuming you're referring to Norm Lewis. You remember Three Kings? You remember the film Three Kings? Yes. yes. That was actually called Three Kings. Yes, and it was George film. Clooney, Mark mm-hmm. Wahlberg, Ice Cube. And remember for like the first hour, it was a fourth dude. Oh yeah. Yeah. You remember the fourth dude's name? You remember the fourth dude's name in Three Kings? Um No, you don't. Nobody remembers that guy's name. Nobody remembers him. Because from the moment the film came on, you knew that he was the guy that was gonna get it. <laughs> it's only three so, crowns, but just four, y'all. It's called Three Kings. It's Ice Cube, Marky Mark, George Clooney, and this guy. And again, I like Norm Lewis. I've seen him seen him in a couple of things. I actually like his music, but he's very much the fourth guy in Three Kings from the very beginning. And again, True. it's so clumsy the way that it's seated that there it are is. no surprises. There's nothing really there. And it's a shame. It's a shame that the script gets in the way of everything because there are moments in this film. Delroy Lindo, again, is fantastic in spite of the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Delroy Lindo and Jonathan Majors, when the screenplay doesn't get in the way, have a nice chemistry as this father and son with this complicated relationship. Do you believe their relationship? Delroy Lindo, Isaiah Whitlock, and Clark Peters 
I don't even want a movie with them. I just want a camera to follow them around <laughs> as they are three old black men talking about old black men stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know, there there's the gold heist. They're gonna get Norm's skeleton. There's the the, the French people in the landmines. Uh, uh, Clark Peters has a biracial daughter. There's, 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 there's double Christ. Just, it's, it's just a lot, and it's a shame because I think this film should have been much better than it was. It should have been because, because first and foremost, like you said, it should have been much shorter than it was. This film is not, I mean, you talk about over two hours. This movie is two hours and 35 minutes. And I'm willing to bet that those, uh, that 35 minutes is the archival footage that Spike feels he needs to embed into this, uh, this film as further illustration of the history lessons that people are espousing to you in the script. And not to cut you off, but I'm going to cut you off because I'm going to quote you. This film ends for 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It ends and then it ends again and then it ends again and then it ends again. And I actually said, this is exactly what Lynn is always talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly, man. It, it just keep, and that's what Spike does, unfortunately. Um, and like you said, left to his own devices because of all of the money that he, he uh, Netflix is, is throwing at his feet. Because, you know, I'm not knocking Netflix. Netflix wants to be in the movie game. So they're signing on to these old tours like Spike Lee and Martin Scorsese and letting them, you know, do their thing. Um, and Martin Scorsese gives us a... Uh, uh, a bloated Goodfellas <laughs> knockoff in The Irishman. And did you ever finish it? Did you ever finish The Irishman? I did finish The Irishman. And You're a good man, Charlie Brown. <laughs> it, I did. I finished. I finished it, and it, you know what can I say? I mean, it's it is what it is. It's bloated. It's bloated as hell. But it's a bloated Goodfellas. He said everything he said is in there. He said in in The Irishman. He already did in Goodfellas and Spike Lee. Everything that he's saying in the five the five bloods has already been is already been covered except the relationship of these these uh four black men. Ostensibly, it's five black men because Jonathan Majors kind of like is that fifth blood. Even though you're kind of led to believe that maybe the fifth blood is their allusion to their fallen comrades um, Norman, played by Chadwick Boseman, who they lost back. Um, while while in the midst of the Vietnam War, right? But um, that is a story that you're you're waiting to be you're waiting to be told. We've seen Vietnam stories, and we that speak of the horrors of war, that speak of the um, effect that the war has left on uh, these gentlemen that have that have gone over over there, and. It is not often that we've seen it from the black perspective. Um, right. What was the, um, uh, I, just draw, I just drew a blank on it. What was the uh, Lorenz Tate movie? 
Oh, dead presidents. Dead presidents. Dead presidents mm-hmm. yep. deal, deals right. with that a little bit as well. But dead presidents is primary. Is it's him that went over. So you're not seeing its its effect on black men. So you're only seeing it from that one perspective. So to have these these black men who have a shared experience, but to have come out of it in different ways and have it having an affect them in different ways is very intriguing to watch. Um, and that is all the hell you need for this movie. You don't need anything else. Everything else is backstory. The whole idea of Norman Lewis and him going broke is backstory. And that's handled properly. It's kind of like backstory that you, you're fed in, in the midst of the, of the movie. That's it. Uh, Delroy Lindo's character, Paul, who's going through an intense mental uh, breakdown and PTSD. And what we learn is uh, a very deep and devastating form of depression and guilt that he that he that he has. Um, All of that is all throughout the film. You don't you don't. you get the you get the moments you you see how it has affected his relationship with his friends and even more importantly affected the relationship with his with his son you see how how despite that his son is still yearning to uh find some type of connection with his father so much so that he stowed away on this on this trip to 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 be a part of him right um you see that you know, Clark Peters character, Otis, has, you know, alternative no, uh, motive by going over here to, yes, uh, reclaim the 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 uh, remains of his fallen comrade. Yes, to maybe pull, uh, find this um, this treasure that they hid there as well, but also to kind of like reestablish a relationship that he had back then. Never mind how it came about. He had a relationship and he wants to kind of reconnect with it. That's all you need. All the other, all the other is just BS. And and if you're gonna have that BS in there, that's fine. Then then you've got to you as a producer and a director, you've got to say, okay, what needs to go? And what needs to go right. is the history lessons. You don't need right. to start off the movie with 15 minutes of archival <laughs> footage of of. Of the march to Vietnam. Oh you know my what I'm God! Saying? It's it's <laughs> Muhammad Ali. It's Aretha Franklin. It's, it's Lyndon the, uh, Lyndon Johnson. It's, it's Richard the Nixon. Black Panthers. It's Kent State. I was like, oh my God, dude, we we don't need it. And then, and and if you don't think that this archival footage is gratuitous, ladies and gentlemen, we fast forward two hours into the film. When we are treated with the one moment where we get archival footage from the Vietnamese point of view and the Vietnamese talking about the atrocities that the Americans uh, took out on them and their families during uh, the Vietnam War. Yeah. And there is a moment where there is this this guy who who's relating this story about how you know the american soldiers killed their, killed their people and killed their family and you you're are, uh, on the screen are all of these you know shot and decimated bodies and he's and he specifically says you know they they killed mothers and fathers and babies and there is a footage of a little child 
shot up by bullets and the camera freezes on that frame and I counted it that frame of that little child a, a close up of this shot up little child was on the screen for 8 seconds which in movie time is a very long time to be focused on the picture of a dead Vietnam baby that has been shot up not just dead shot up and yeah. that is, a, is an example of the gratuity that all of this archival footage is in this movie. It is absolutely unnecessary. You have the 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 inhumanity of war is written all over the faces of everyone that is in this movie. From the soldiers going back to Vietnam to how they are being greeted in vietnam right right right. the The complicated relationship in in present day exactly it is all right there you don't need to go back and it's so confusing because you know spike lee is confident enough in his own filmmaking that he knows he doesn't need this and you know he is confident in this cast Like, this is not a group of people that are unsure of their own skills. Mm -hmm. Because in my Mm -hmm. mind, not only is it gratuitous, but it's a tell. Like, what that tells me is that you don't trust the other parts of the film to convey all of these complicated tones. Right. And you have everything you need. There is a scene, and in my mind, it's the best scene in the entire film. Well, Delroy Lindo's character, Paul, is on this boat and they're sailing through this marketplace with these boats that are, you you know, it's it's a beautiful scene. Like I said, the sense of setting is superb. Like this is an actual place. And one of the merchants is trying to is being really aggressive and trying trying to sell sell Paul a chicken. Mm -hmm. But tonally, it is so crisp. And it is so sharp and it is tense and it builds and mm-hmm. Delroy Lindo is so good. And to parrot what you said, everything that you need to know about these 60 year old Vietnam veterans in present day Vietnam is in that exchange yes. right there. Yes. You don't need this other stuff. You Look, I, I didn't need the gold. You don't no. need the gold. You don't need the the, the shootout at the mm-hmm. end. You don't need the landmines. I mean, truth be told, as much as I enjoyed Jonathan Majors and I enjoyed he and Delroy Lindo together, you don't need Jonathan Majors. No, no, you don't. Keep the focus on these four men. Yeah. Going yeah. to get Norman Skeleton. Yep, yep. You know what? I like the the young Vietnamese um, tour guide. Yeah. Because even that adds to the complexity Mm -hmm. of their relationship in this present day Vietnam. That was uh, Johnny Trey Yin. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he's good. Great. He's yeah, absolutely, so. he's absolutely, absolutely, and and he and he alone is is giving you the 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 ambiguity of the Vietnamese people 
right, right there. You know what I mean? Because it's a great story. It's actually mm-hmm. a great story. And the whole thing with Paul being being a, a follower of Trump because he's felt betrayed. I mean, it's all like this is all you need. I mean, hell, give Norm Lewis something to do. Yeah. Yeah. And there's it. your movie. And 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 if it is only a tight hour and 15 hour and a half movie, it's so what? It's a tight hour and 15 movie. One, I guarantee one, it'll be better for it. Two, um it, it two, it will be a film that will be that much more memorable and three more eyes will see it because when you turn on the, the this film on netflix and you see two hours and 35 minutes even if you are inclined to watch it you're like oh i ain't got that much time you know what i mean D- dude i haven't watched it yet and i love spike lee and i hadn't watched it because again two hours and 35 that is quite a commitment mm-hmm and 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 I will I will meet you halfway with that conversation. I actually think it could be a two hour movie, but but I okay. think I think you let these four actors breathe. You yeah. know, keep the flashbacks with Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, I like that. I did. Like I that. like the conceit of the of the older actors in the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. running around with them because they're they're still the same men. Yeah. Even though there is one at there is one scene in the flashbacks that I thought was a bridge too far, and that was showing how they responded to the uh, assassination of Martin, was it Martin Luther King. Yeah, well, yeah, but but see, that's again that's Spike Lee teaching again, like he's teaching. Again, yeah, uh, he's teaching a tenth grade Black History elective right. that kids have to take at their high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that one scene, it was like, ah, dude. Like, like, like. The 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 thing is, is what happened is not only did Netflix um, back up a Brinks truck of money to Spike Lee, but they gave him all the hammers he ever wanted to yes. beat things to death in our that, heads. That that is one hundred percent correct. Because the scene you're talking, you talked about earlier of of Delroy Lindo's character when he kind of goes off on his own, and you see him monologuing through the uh, wilds of Vietnam. Delroy Lindo can't do anything wrong. Right, I, I have yet to see a bad Delroy Lindo performance. Yeah, but that scene. It's totally unnecessary. It is totally going over uh, material and right. that we have that has already been covered, that has already the, been depicted. You know, yes, you're right. You know, you 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 really don't need it at all. All you really need, because right after that, you see the next time you see him, he uh, he gets bit by a snake. That's really all you needed. <laughs> Which what was that? I know. <laughs> what? I, what was that? I know. Because did the snake fly out the tree at him? Well, that's well. In the defense, that's how snakes do. They hide, they hide up in the tree so they can drop <laughs> down on you, wrap around you, and bite you. Which so that, that's I guess, real. I guess in the film's defense, when they were talking about the landmines, and Isaiah Whitlock said, "I love y'all, but I'd never throw a grenade on you." And then the subtitle says, 
he very much is going to jump on a grenade by the end of this film. <laughs> and and they call dude rich with the black card, and it's like, there's no way he's actually really rich. And then d- d- she, old girl actually hands him a gun and says, here's a gun. It's like, okay, well, I guess, like, I guess at some point somebody, there should have been somebody walking by with the sign that said, watch out for snakes to jump out. <laughs> and then Delroy Linda would say, ain't no snake ever going to jump out at me. I will say that when Norm Lewis does say, like, put everything on my black card, like, I was like, and every they start going on about how rich he is. I was like, when did this turn into a Tyler Perry movie? Like, that's, right. the, that's right. the first thing I thought. <laughs> right. The first thing I thought when, when I saw that. Um, Plus, I've seen good times, and I know how this works. <laughs> the black guy with a lot of money never actually has a lot of money. So then James in uh, Florida can say, well, at least we have each other in honesty. Dynamite. Uh, <laughs> uh, v says way too much going on in this film. Spike loves those history le- lessons. Delroy Lindo and Clark Peters' performances save the film. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Robert Monroe yeah. Jr. says U.S. Americans need to see the dead babies they're responsible for killing. Our media sanitizes the deaths our military causes. You're 100% correct, Robert. I just don't know if it needs to be in Spike Lee's two-hour and 35-minute film. Right. Yeah. That, that's and if it the is, problem. the way it was handled is, is very ham-fisted. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost like Spike had leftover footage from a documentary that he's putting together because he's always putting together a documentary. Right. And said, like, well, I, it's already paid for. Let me just throw it in here. Um and you know the bad thing, like like you were talking uh, a moment ago about Scorsese said everything in The Irishman already in um, Goodfellas. Goodfellas. This film made me think of one of Spike's, I, I mean, I don't even know if you can call it a later film now because Spike Lee has continually made films. But I always enjoyed Get on the Bus. Mm-hmm. And that aspect of get on the bus, which is really just two hours of black men talking to each other. Like, it's not really a plot. Right. They're just kind of talking to each other for two hours. And it's it's just this beautiful kind of naturalistic tableau of black men mm-hmm. just talking mm-hmm. with one another. And that's yeah. really what I wanted from this. Yeah. Like, like again, you see the cast and look, I, look, just, just, just turn the camera on and let them talk. Just let them, just let them go, man. Let yeah. them go. But, but, and I'm fine. Like, you know, the story is what the story is. Um, what did you think of, you know, speaking about, you know, other aspects of the, you know, we've, of the, the movie, We've gone on about Delroy Lindo's character and his descent into madness, which yeah. happens very early on in the film, which therefore makes me question the intelligence of these men who giving him later, the gun, give him the gun. Like, like the guy who, you know, is having mental breaks at, at the, at the, the drop of a hat and a guy trying to sell him chickens. It's all of a sudden having Lynn. PTSD flashbacks. You're going to give him the gun. Lynn, first of all, let's start here. First of all, I was confused 
that these military men, these actual combat vets who the whole film has set up that they know what they're doing. I was confused about how the gun was an issue. I just assumed they all were going to have guns. Me too. <laughs> like, I thought they, like to me, it's like, like oh, she handed him somebody the, bought one. Like she handed him the gun and it was all wrapped up in a handkerchief. And I was like, what is she handing him? It must be the Ark of the Covenant the way. I was like, it's a gun. I just assumed they all had guns. <laughs> They're going out in the forest as bandits and flying snakes. And, and, if all, and if you don't all have guns, why don't you? <laughs> why don't you have guns? And then you give the gun to the crazy dude. It's like, y'all, I don't really understand the decisions that y'all are making right now. No wonder y'all like Norm. Norm kept y'all dumbasses alive. <laughs> hey, Norm, what's this over here? Oh, that so, but but uh, but that notwithstanding, what did you feel about pretty much the only other person that gets a, a story in the in the film, which is Clark Peters, um, him and his situation uh, with the Vietnamese woman who we assume is certainly is very hard hard alluded to. There are hard allusions to that she was a bit of a prostitute when he came right. upon her back in his day and country um, and uh, the daughter that she raised. Um, I think, I think that this was such a complicated story that the film did it a disservice. Me too. By Me not too. giving it the time that it deserved. The space that it needed. Yeah. So therefore, once again, I didn't really understand the point that it served. And not for nothing, the film didn't even have the courage to follow through with the natural flow of the plot mm-hmm. to have her actually in on the scam. Well, you know what? I'm not upset with that. I mean, yes, it, it would have been natural to do that, I, I guess. I guess it would have been natural to do that only because we've seen it so many times before. So- well, and she, and she has good reason. Like she again, I think I think there's a whole dynamic between the Vietnamese people in present day mm-hmm. and these soldiers. Mm-hmm. So that for her to say you betrayed me, you abandoned me, you know, you, oh, oh, you know, oh, suddenly you you discovered I have a baby. Why wouldn't I? And not for nothing, the gold was for the Vietnamese. Right, right. So I actually, right, I actually would have liked her character better if she Mm. had a, you know, had been in on it. Like, give her some agency. Like, make her a character. But no, she, you you know, you got to have a happy ending for Clark Peters. Well, what I what what I was going to say is like I didn't actually mind that she wasn't in on it. I actually kind of liked that because, like I said, at least to me, I've seen that before. What right, I sure. would have what I would have appreciated is that he seemed to be resolute in his belief that she had not thrown in with 
the enemy, you know, against them, right? That she had not turned traitor on on them. I would have liked to see his defense of her be a little bit more vehement. Or if not vehement, if he was actually, you know, unsure, then I would have liked to see that. I, I don't think we were given... I don't think there was enough space left to have to show how he is reconciling with it, whether or not it's him fighting back more against um, Paul or just being in his feelings conflicted about it. I don't think there is enough attention paid to that. I would have appreciated that a little bit more. Yeah. And it's a shame because they were two. I, I like both of those actresses. Like, just yes. as a discreet scene, mm-hmm. that scene with Clark Peters and the two actresses was kind of nice. It was. It was. And I would have liked to to let that breathe a little more. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, Isaiah Whitlock doesn't get much of a story in this, mo- in this movie. He pretty much is there for, you know, to have the fourth guy. And I, I, I'm assuming for comic relief because he is a hoot throughout the yes. entire movie. Yeah, um, yeah. It's always great to see him. Oh, I love Isaiah Whitlock. You know, it's always great to see him. And you almost forgive him not having that much of a character arc Mm -hmm. because you're just so happy to see him. Yeah, yeah. Doing Isaiah Whitlock stuff. Like I said, you're waiting for him to say she. Yeah, yeah. And and he gives it to you. Um, Yeah. You know, so I was like, all right, well, I guess guess the movie can't be that bad. (laughs) Maybe why we're here. (laughs) Right. Right. Because if he had to set it, we'd be sitting here complaining about it. Yeah, like you got Isaiah Whitlock and he don't say shit. Come on, like, come on, Spike. <laughs> come on, man. So, um, so with um, yeah. I, I, all right. So, would you recommend that people watch the Five Bloods? <sighs> Unfortunately, in this version, I don't. Like, like what I hope would happen. You know how those kids sometimes grab, uh, they, they they edit the Star Wars movies and put it on yeah. YouTube. Yeah, I wish somebody would do that with this. Me too. I wish somebody would edit this down. I mean, even with the footage in here, I think, like you're saying, an hour and a half. I think you could get a hard one forty-five. Oh, that's fair. That's yeah, fair. I think you could get a. I think you could get a one forty. There's a one forty-five cut of this film. That is actually great. Yeah. Honestly, there's a five minute cut of this film that is actually great. And that's the scene you talked about that happens on the boat. If you yeah. just start with like, you know, like the, 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 the Star Wars scroll four black men go back to Vietnam to find their um, lost mate and then cut to them on the boat. There's your movie. Yeah. There's your movie. There is your movie right there, man. Yeah. Yeah, but but no, uh, the way it is right now, I I, I cannot recommend it. And yourself? Yeah. yeah, I I I gotta agree with you. Um, it is a beautiful movie to see. The setting, you do feel like you are are in Vietnam, um, but it's just it is just too bloated. Uh, I yeah, Spike is just left uh, to his own devices a little bit too much, and. Um, and it's a shame. It is a shame because 
there are some very, very good performances in here. There are some very good explorations of, um, you know, black masculinity, black friendship, black fatherhood. Um, there's some very interesting uh, commentary on that in this movie, as well as some subtle uh, history lessons um, that are mined within the script. But mm-hmm. on, a, at, on a whole, it is just inflated way too much and just gets, gets out of control. And it's... It, it's a shame. Yeah, it really is a shame. I, I I will say if you enjoy if you enjoy the the conversations between the men, um, and to your point, if you do enjoy the father son relationship, which, which is nice, and you know, talking about it ending four or five times, I have to say to your point about Delroy Lindo never putting in a bad performance, and God knows he wrestles with this script the whole movie, but. When he when he reads the letter that he leaves for mm. his son at the end, I thought after two plus hours, after it's already ended twice, at, when I'm at the point where I am ready for it to go off, the power of that moment pulled me in. It does. The power I of will... that moment pulled me in. And, and if this aspect, of Spike Lee's filmmaking appeals to you. If you have not seen Get on the Bus, I would recommend going to see Get on the Bus instead of this. Um, and I'm glad that you brought up that scene. I had forgotten about that scene. That scene is well done. It is powerful. Um, and the reason I forgot about that scene is because it unfortunately is not the end of the movie. Right, right. Well, again, it's not even the first ending. It's like the third ending. And then it's, it's four more ending. endings. There's four more endings. <laughs> yeah. God. Anyway. Before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week on the Michelle Mission, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we invite you all to send us all of your feedback. Email us at Mission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. Your thoughts and your... Um, your feedback, suggestion for movies, uh, feel free to send them, send them that way. Like and follow us on all social medias on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Michelle Mission. Subscribe to the Michelle Mission uh, YouTube page where our show is streamed every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Uh, you can also become a member of the Michelle Mission Facebook group where the Michelle Missionaries have a lot of fun talking to one another um and sharing news with one another and and we like talking to them there as well the michelle mission is available as a podcast every wednesday morning first thing wednesday morning this show will be available for your download and streaming pleasure any place and every place that you find podcasts including spotify Stitcher radio overcast google podcasts and apple podcasts where if you leave us a five-star rating and review that helps people find our show so we really appreciate it hey vince did you know that we are in the top 100 of film review uh podcasts on apple podcasts well la di da aren't we sitting in high cotton Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Um, and the Michelle Mission is available as a radio show in an edited form every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM, 
106.5 FM, Philly Cam, People Power Media, here in the city of brotherly love and sisterhood. Philly Cam. And you can wake up with the Michelle Mission every Monday morning at 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University. And the Michelle Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network, the Podglomerate Curated Podcast for your listening pleasure. The uh, Go to thepodglomerate.com. Check it out. Uh, Robert Monroe says that we should be in the top 10. Well, from your lips to God's ears, Robert. So um, the Thank more... Thank you, sir. We've got 131 uh, ratings and rankings on our Apple Podcast page, and we thank each and every one of you who has given us a, a rating there. Um, the more we get, the more downloads, the, the more we'll, we'll right, rise. Right, right, right. Start you know? spreading the news. Yes, please do. All right, next week on the Michelle All right. Michelle, we have a guest, Vince. <laughs> yes, we do. We have right here from the City of Brotherly Love. She is a writer in the Philadelphia Inquirer as well as the Philadelphia Daily News. And her name is Elizabeth Wellington. All right. And she will be sitting down with Vince. As a matter of fact, I think she actually talked to you, Vince, for an article that she did on uh She Chadwick did. Postman. She did. We're old friends now. <laughs> All right. Um <laughs> We will be sitting down with Elizabeth Wellington next week, ladies and gentlemen, to review the 2016 American superhero film about a street magician in Los Angeles, directed by J.D. Dillard and starring Jacob Lattimore, uh, Saicho Gabriel, Dule Hill, Storm Reed, Sashir Samada, and Michael Villar. We will be watching Slight next week here. Very nice. On the Michaud mission. All right? Until then, he's Vince. I'm Len. Keep your mask up. Be good to one another. And in parting, we say... We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu, it's been a pleasure knowing you, I'll see you when it's time to meet again.